Kwaba. Welcome back to the Team Ghana U podcast, by size where you receive news, updates, discussion, and everything significant football and Ghana related. As always, I want you, the listeners, to be as involved by tweeting or emailing us for discussion or wanting more information. Hello and welcome back to the Team Ghana U podcast. Um, I, yeah, I bet you thought that this was going to arrive on a Monday. Yeah, I'm actually on on time, dare I say, and on schedule in regards to recording of the podcast and other things in my life at this moment in time. So. Things are good in that respect. Um, this week, you know, there's not actually a lot of news actually flying about. Well, there is news, but I wanted to focus maybe on something I read last week, actually. And I wanted to actually potentially even bring out a podcast a little bit earlier. But I thought to myself, no, let's wait for the weekend or let's wait for the following week before actually releasing it. It was an article that I I, I stumbled upon, actually. I really did stumble upon this, actually, by Fifi... Um, Anaman, and this is on Medium. So I'm going to have a gentle read of this very, very shortly. Anyway, so I'm going to read it to yourselves, and I'm going to run through one or two bits and pieces within the article, which I find really, really interesting. And then I want to talk about one or two things which have probably emanated from, uh, I don't want to say emanated from the article as such, but kind of like um, the news surrounds the article in some respect. So I'm going to just go through the article very, very quickly. So just bear with me. So the title of the article is Protest Hit Ghana Football Protest Hits Ghana Football Amid Decline. I can tell you that for sure anyway. That's definitely true. Okay. Ghana football is an all-time low, writes Fifi Anaman. It was February the 14th, Valentine's Day. Definitely no love in the year. And there were f- hundreds of them. Perhaps a thousand. Perhaps two. Sorry, the Valentine's Day thing was me. They marched close to eight kilometres, hijacking the road from Kwame Nkrumah Circle in the heart of Accra through to Independence Square. Next to the square was the iconic Independence, Independence Monument with the infamous inscription, Freedom and Injustice. Freedom and, freedom and Justice, sorry. They were free, all right. Free to fight for better. Free, free to release pent-up frustration. Free to clamour for change. Free to demand and demonstrate. And they sought justice too. Justice for Ghana football. It was a protest named Save Ghana Football. It was convened and championed by sports journalists Sadiq Adams and Veronica Kome. Two individuals I know... Well, I won't say I know them very well. We're talking about... I've seen a lot of stuff from Sadiq Adams. And um, I think I've seen Veronica's name before. But I'm going to do a bit of research on her and find out who she is. In a bit more depth, I think it'd be nice to know who these people are. Passionate people from all walks of life turned up in black and red. With a variety of placards. Sweating in sweltering heat. They walked, they talked, they sang, and their voices rang. There were chants and rants. The atmosphere was charged. What speaks volumes was the crowd was organic, said a journalist, who was clad in freedom fighter attire, with the red beret and shades to boot. We didn't bust people to the venue, neither did we promise any food. Yet, look at the numbers. It should tell you something. Ghana, once named Soccer Emperors of Africa, was now a pale shadow of its former glorious self. The Black Stars had just spent $3 million and exited the group stage of the AFCON in Ivory Coast, failing to win a single game. In fact, the team had won only one in the last three consecutive AFCONs. I've discussed that before and that's really, really poor. Really, really bad. Football is an influential pillar of national life in Ghana. It's perhaps even more popular than politics. But, by many accounts, the sport is at an all-time low in the country. Definitely in my lifetime, and it wouldn't surprise me if it was generally speaking. It's funny that, you know, I was thinking about 
um, football clubs, generally speaking. And, you know, despite the fact that a lot of them are steeped in history, you know, a lot of these clubs are quite young, you know? Because I was thinking about, I don't know what club I was thinking about, maybe um, an Arsenal or Barcelona or something along the lines, or maybe it was even Ghana, as to, you know, the history is of football. It's probably about, say, 40, 40 years is, is, a, is a lie. I want to about 60... Barcelona, they generally talk about it being 100 years old, but, like, well, you get my point anyway. It's quite young. You know, some of the glorious years or the or the eras, there's only, like, two or three of them, generally speaking, for a lot of football clubs. You know, so it made me think, do you know what? Actually, sometimes we need to take these, these things into consideration. Not consideration, just understand that, actually, we're a very young country. Or, no, not we're a young country. Our footballing history is not as old as we believe it to be. The Ghana Football Association is very unpopular. The national team is overspending and underperforming. That's been happening for a very, very long time. The local league, currently without a sponsor, is dead. Fans barely go to a game. Players barely have fame. Now, I want to say a couple of things, really, actually. In regards to fame, I'm not too sure whether that matters, actually, in the grand scheme of things. But if you're talking about fans barely, to, barely go to games, I think that's important because I think... A fortnight ago, when we were talking about um, Ghanaian football and actually ha who is to blame, whether it's the GFA, actually, um, the GFA or the, sorry, what was I saying? The GFA or whether it's actually the football clubs in, in whether they're actually developing footballers. Now, if you have a football club and they're unable to generate revenue, I guess it's going to be very, very difficult to um, reinvest that revenue into developing your football club, whereas in regards to an academy <clears throat> or whether it's actually in regards to it being a commercial success. So I think a lot of these things, actually, generally speaking, go hand in hand. The local league thing, that is definitely down to the GFA. So irrespective of the conversation that happened a fortnight ago between, I think it was um, John Pansil and, um, oh, my God. Um, there's a couple of people anyway. That was on UTV. I think um, I think it's a joint effort which needs to take place in regards to the rejuvenation of Ghanaian football. Football clubs, if we're being very, very honest, being very, very honest, sorry, they're businesses. And whether their businesses are being run correctly, I think in some respects, maybe in some respects, and I say that I emphasize in some respects, it's neither here or there. I feel the GFA need to do a lot more in regards to the, the infrastructure and the development and the re um the recycling, the reinvestment of the money that goes that goes to the GFA um as a result of being involved in some of these tournaments. Now, stadiums are so bad, national teams struggle to find one to host international matches. Youth football, in fact, I want to go back there actually, because um I've often thought about this, actually, in regards to um, the international stadiums. Obviously, we've recently just come off the back of um, a tournament in the Ivory Coast. And the tournament, not the tournament, sorry, the stadiums there looked phenomenal. I was really, 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 really proud of the of the infrastructure of the tournament and the, sorry, the infrastructure and the stadiums in the Ivory Coast. And it's a shame it's something that can't be replicated in some, in some respect in Ghana, actually. And I know... Um, very recently, there was a sports um, a sport facility opened in Ghana, I think in Accra, I forget the name of it. But the fact that we're so behind on <clears throat> infrastructure in regards to stadia, I think is really bad. Because I think once upon a time, not once upon a time, I think a while ago, I'm going to say at least a year, maybe even two years ago, um, I discussed the, the tournament in Indonesia. I think it was the World Cup under-17s or under-20s. That tournament has now come and go, to be fair. But my argument then was, why can't Ghana... Or why can't an African country actually host one of those tournaments? I think in the Ivory Coast, I think we've seen that actually that might be possible. And hopefully all roads lead to that at some given stage in terms of being able to host a tournament of that nature. Because I think um, the moment I think something like that does happen, I think 
we begin to show progress and the possibility in being able to host tournaments of this nature, of this scale, and who knows what else can come from that. And it doesn't necessarily mean, it doesn't necessarily mean sorry, um, being able to host the World Cup or even host an AFCONS, which I think both are important. But I think for the actual growth of our game, um, I think for the growth of our game, can we actually develop tournaments of our own? Anyway, let me continue. So I said, we're talking about the stadium. So you football. You football at Colts, which is grassroots level and at junior national level, has for years barely produced stars who have risen to all the way, who have risen all the way to national level, sorry, to senior level. Now, this is something that was discussed um, previously, or see a couple of weeks ago as well. Now, from what I have seen, and I'm sure other people can speak on this in Ghana, etc., etc., is that if we're being very, very honest, we spoke about obviously the football teams, the professional football teams, them being businesses. And, and for them, in some respect, it is and isn't obviously their responsibility to develop players for the actual national team. Again, for all the money, and I'll say we've probably seen, we, 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 sorry, at this stage of where we are in 2024, more there is now more money available um, for national federations to, to, to develop infrastructures. And now... We're not seeing these things. I think it's, a, it's really bad. It really, really, really is bad. It shouldn't be this bad that we don't really have Colts football or junior football. Or there's no infrastructure in which boys and girls can play. Really, really poor. It shouldn't be down to the independent academies. And I, So I don't hate saying this. I'm happy to speak on the success of the Right to Dream Academy. I say I, 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 I was going to say I hate saying this is because I think, like I said two weeks ago, it should never be down to one or two clubs or one or two institutions to be, to be developing football players for the country. It just doesn't work. Now, I think the one or two times we saw this was, people often say Real Madrid and Barcelona or Barcelona won the World Cup for Spain in 2010. That, I think, is a great soundbite. But the truth is that can never happen. As in, like, it takes more than one or two clubs to develop football players for, for the national team itself to be successful. It just doesn't happen. There is a huge decline in our football. No one can deny that, said veteran Ghanaian football analysis Nana Ajibong, who at 62 displayed enormous energy at the protest. The GFA president, Kurt Ukraku, said that he would take us to he would take Ghana football to a new level. Well, I've got news for him. He's taking us below sea level. So I'm laughing at that because um I saw that before I actually read it, and it just it just made me laugh. And it's mad because he actually did say that he will take us to a new level. And I'll be honest, like me personally, and I think I said it in previous previous um, podcasts, I try to be patient because I know this is not an easy job, and it's very easy from the outside and to be sitting on um, your perch or sitting on your chair or podcasting and talking about how good or bad a job someone is doing. I know it's not an easy job, but. <clears throat> This is not good. This is this is almost as bad as um, or is developing, <clears throat> is developing to be as bad as the um the the current reign at Barcelona. I'm not talking about Juan Laporta. I'm talking about the guy previously, Bartomeu. Um, and obviously I don't know the ins and outs of that, but Barcelona look like they're in very very well, pretty much deep waters. Um, and to quote this guy here, below sea level. Anyway, continuing. The, pre the protesters, accompanied by heavy police presence, were so riled up they were prevented from marching to the offices of the GFA premises or the offices of the Ministry of Youth and Sport. Now, I would love to know, and I've said this a few times to be fair, and I really need to get my finger out in regards to these articles 
which I said I'm going to publish. But also, I would love to know a little bit more about what the Ministry of Youth and Sport do, generally speaking. And it's not necessarily to be critical. You just want to understand what some of these people do. You know, what are their aims and objectives and what have they done and what have they achieved in these, in these, in these years in which this chaos has ensued? It would, it would be nice to know. That's not to say anyone is doing a bad job. I know, generally speaking, a good job is not being done, um, I guess, from a headline point, like if you were surmising things, as in like where we are. But sometimes good jobs are being done, but you just can't see the good work because we're so deep in doo-doo. Anyway, a few of them, though, managed to get in front of the, the Ghana Parliament House where the protest leadership was allowed to present a petition to the Speaker of Parliament. This is really interesting. I didn't realise this was so big. Back at the march, Patrick Ajiban, uh, oh, so he's known as Patrick Countryman Sonogo, oh, Patrick Countryman Songo Ajiban, a controversial anti-corruption football journalist, interesting, we should look into that, held up a megaphone marshalling protesters from a truck. Save Ghana football, he bellowed. More fire. That sounds very um, church-like. The leaders seem to be playing with our minds, said gospel musician Isaiah um, Kwojo Ampong, who, to the surprise of many, also attended. We want FIFA to intervene. Unsure that will happen, but we'll soon see. We'll soon see, sorry. FIFA should dissolve our FA, so we should start afresh. Again, something which is highly unlikely, but I do believe there needs to be some form of fresh start. I think we're definitely approaching that. Most journalists had turned up, not to report, but to support. Families turned up too. Many men with their wives and, and even children. An elderly woman who could easily pass for 70 year, years old, who went viral on social media, held, held up an emotional placard that said, football is for all of us. Hmm. It's crazy how this affects people. Continuing. A pastor who turned up fully dressed in his clerical shirt held up a placard that read, bring light to our football. While he held a lantern in another hand, enough is enough. Another placard read, dissolve GFA now. On Valentine's Day, back to where we began, it was apt that some placards also demanded, where is the love? Isn't that interesting? Because that was their, their slogan. The love was certainly not at the Independent Square. What swelled at the venue was anger and hunger. Anger at the football leaders, hunger for change. After protesters finally gathered, singing we are all involved and preparing to wrap up the close to what was a four-hour event, Nana Safo, a GFA executive member, Prosper Harrisonado, the GFA general secretary, and honorary Evans Opoku Bobby, Ghana's deputy minister for sport, walked in. This should be interesting. Can't wait to read this now. Dun, 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 dun. Before the trio could address the crowd, they were forced to... They're forced into a U-turn by boos and jeers. Away! <laughs> Sarfo did not take kindly to the rejection, interesting, and would later lash out at organisers. Hmm. The Save Ghana football demonstration wasn't impressive and well-organised, he told a radio station in Kamasi. The organisers hired a slay queen, pregnant woman and old woman who know nothing about football. If any of the protesters had raised a finger at me, I would have arrested all the organisers, he added, angrily. Safa was not the one supposed to be angry. It was the people's sole right and reality. And that is the reason why the protests were angry in the first place. The insensitivity of the leaders, their defensive posturing, their pompous refusal to take responsibility. Do you know what, yeah? I hate to say this. This is a trait 
actually a trait I don't necessarily like about I was gonna say Africans, but I don't like saying that. Um I've seen it in Africans or certainly old Africans where there's a refusal to take responsibility for something which they are responsible for. But I go back and I don't want to start tiptoeing and doing all that type of stuff because this is really, we're in deep, we're in deep, we're under the sea as was quoted. Um, someone has to take responsibility and I think what you can't do, you can't continu continually pass responsibility onto someone else. Yes, he, and I say, um, Kurt Kraku, I think he took over an administration which was struggling, but actually things seem to have got, things have got worse. You know, like we're in a, we're in a, we're in a place which was, yeah, things have got worse. Anyway, so let me just finish up. Um, those at the helm of our football need to put their hands up, except they have failed and resigned. A conversation on the protesters' petition immediately began on the floor of Parliament, and it remains to be seen if the toil of the concerned crowd would amount to something. Now, I didn't believe this... Not I didn't believe, sorry. I didn't think, to begin with, this article was going to be so profound. Profound in actually what took place, because a number of other things have actually taken place in recent weeks as well. Um, oh, Andrew, please don't forget the things you wanted to... So that was it. There was the, the women's the women's team. So I think there was discussion in regards to them not being paid. Now, these sort of things, as I was saying before, they generally shouldn't happen. Now, I know in England or even some other um, federations, obviously in Europe and maybe even around the world, you may not even actually get paid from your national team. And it might be a case, certainly in England, where the money is actually donated. And I guess when you're earning so much money, I guess the money that you would receive by way of bonuses, etc., etc., it's kind of cool when you can understand if that's actually donated. And I think sometimes you get the option to do donate it and things of that nature. Anyway, so I think the idea where I've said before, like the Federation are receiving more money than they ever would have received before, are struggling to actually pay or pay out bonuses, is quite ridiculous, if we're being very honest. Um, and it's not good enough. Um, but I'm going to move on to one or two things before we close up, really, um, in regards to the GFA. Former Gambia coach, Tom Sengfake, I believe his name is, rejects Ghana offer for the Philippines job. Now, I didn't know what to think of this, actually. And the reason being is, um, it doesn't matter whether I know him or not, to be fair, because um, I don't like um, making assumptions as to whether someone is a good coach or a bad, or a bad coach. But I think the idea that someone... Mm, no, 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 no. I was thinking the Philippines might be a great place to live. Um, but Ghana's a great place to live, too. Likewise, Gambia. But I guess my point is, the idea that the Ghana national team job can be rejected um in place of the philippines job i think is a joke in itself um but let me let me read the article in itself tom saying fate um has a point has been appointed the new head coach of the philippines national team after rejecting offers from three top african countries the former gambia gaffer was on the radar of ghana nigeria and cameroon for the top job cameroon have literally just let go of um oh, rigobert song not too long ago same fate was in contact with the gfa and was leading the race for the vacant role. However, the Belgium trainer, who also received the last-minute call from, um, I don't know, um, the pre anyway, Samueto, decided to take up the Philippines job. Um, I was in need of an ambitious task. Well, I'll tell you what, the Ghanaian, the Ghanaian role was definitely ambitious. Um, said the Belgium, when explaining why he accepted an appo the appointment, he said during the presentation, "Maybe it was the money. <laughs> Let's not lie." Uh, my experience in the national team for my experience in national team football is that it's not always the best players who win games. It's personality and commitment. Well, I think that's really interesting. I can see why he chose not to take the Ghanaian job. Playing for your country is the highest level you can achieve. Now that's quite interesting actually. And away from the money thing, um, 
I guess, I think, you know, with Jurgen Klopp moving on, sometimes people say the best job to take, or no, it's not always the best job to take when a legend has actually left your club. So taking the role, taking the job after Jurgen Klopp might not be a good idea. Likewise, it wasn't a good idea for Unai Emery to take the job after Wenger. Likewise, Moyes taking the job after um, Ferguson. And the same will be for Guardiola and other people who have been successful um, over the years. And... I say that I say that because football obviously happens in cycles, and I think right now the Ghana job or Ghana football is not in a really good cycle. So it wouldn't be a good idea for him, if he is successful or irregardless of he's successful or not, to take the Ghanaian job. Anyway, continuing, director of national teams of Philippines, Freddie Gonzalez confirmed interest from the three African nations and China. I can be pretty convincing when I want to be. Of course, he was one of the candidates. Candidates, sorry. He was not the only one, but after interviewing everyone, I felt he matched what we want, he said at the pre-match presser. Initially, when we were talking, he was already asked by Ghana, Nigeria and China to coach their teams. I was unable to convince him to leave those offers and come here. But then, at the last second, Samuel Eto called him up, about a week ago, wanting him to be the coach of Cameroon. I'm so glad he chose us, he added. Now, with that being said... I don't even know what that means, actually. I think my question was going to be, where does it, where does that leave Ghanaian football? You've got an individual who, if I'm being very honest, I don't know him. I don't know if that matters, but I think you understand why I, I, I say that within the context of African football. Where does that leave African football? You've got three of the biggest countries, football-wise, and actually, generally speaking, who are being rejected to go take up the job of the Philippines. Ghana, Nigeria, and Cameroon. Ridiculous. Some of the like the biggest history in, in, in world football, actually I was going to say in African football, in world football as well, someone has chose to take the job of the Philippines as opposed to those countries. But at the same time, I will say African football is in a great place. Arguably the best AFCON tournament we've ever had. Um, and I'm sure it probably raised or brought in more money than it's ever had. And the conversation I've begun in regards to the AFCON certainly being better than Copa America, which I am rubber stamping. I think that is definitely the case. Anyway, I'm going to leave the, the conversation here for today. I think it's been really, really interesting in regards to Ghanaian football um, and the GFA. Um, I've been a little bit enlightened, actually, actually, as to what is going on on the ground. And I feel everyone feels the same everywhere, actually. You know, just football is a bit of a mess. And I think it's going to take a good 5, 10 years before we actually find ourselves out of this hole. I think it'll take a long time. 5, 10 years might be, be a bit generous, but I think it's going to take a long time. Anyway, thank you for your time. Take care and have a lovely weekend. That's it for this week's episode. We'll be posting as usual via social media, keeping up with the stories and unfold in the coming weeks. As always, you can any questions or queries, email us at teamgarnieu at gmail.com or tweet or DM us at teamgarnieu on IG or Twitter. Thank you. Take care. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm.